You're listening to the PT Profit Podcast, episode number 13. Today, I'm talking with Nasima McElroy all about how to build personal wealth, even if you're in debt. Are you ready? Stay tuned. Hi, I'm Beverly Simpson, former fitness manager turned online personal training business owner. And this podcast is where smart fitness professionals, including trainers and clinicians, discover how to increase client performance in movement, package and position their products and services, and get out of their own way so that they can increase their revenue to live a life that they love without sleazy sales. Welcome to the PT Profit Podcast. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the PT Profit Podcast. I'm your host, Beverly Simpson, and I am super excited, just like I say every week or maybe every episode, about this interview that I did with my dear friend, Nasima McElroy. Now, I had to practice saying her last name, and she's so sweet. She was like, I said, Is this right? And she says, yeah, that's fine. But I know as someone who has a really tough maiden name that I wasn't right. And honestly, if I didn't get it right this time, it was not without thought. And honestly, hopefully I got it right. But <laughs> she is such a dear friend of mine and I'm really glad and it, that she came to talk with us. I've known her now. We are also in a coaching mastermind together with James Wedmore and that's, and I've been, I've known her now for about two years. So, and I'm super excited to share this interview with you because honestly, this has been a lot of the work that I've personally have to, had to do in the last year. And it's actually something that I'm continuing to work on which is learning the language of wealth. I think so many people, and we do talk about this inside of the podcast today, but so many people are afraid to talk about money or they think that they have really negative feelings about money, whether or not they're in debt or feel that money is evil or whatever it is. I just think that not a lot of people are comfortable speaking about money. And I know for sure that I wasn't for a long time. So this is something that I'm really excited to share with you because she talks about it with ease and she is going to share with us on the podcast today about how we can basically build financial wealth. And she talks about the difference between financial health and financial wealth. She talks about what we can be doing even if we are struggling with debt. She talks about things that we can be doing today to start growing our own personal wealth because, and we do talk about this inside of the podcast, but we think we have time. But I think at this pandemic, if you're listening to this right now when it's getting published uh, in July of 2020, this pandemic has shown us that literally anything can happen and it can happen at a moment's notice. And so She's going to share with us today some things that we can be doing and that things that we need to be paying attention to when it comes to building personal wealth. Nasima, as she shares on the podcast, she is a labor and delivery nurse by trade, but she's also the owner of Financially Intentional. She had been making six figures for years, but she still struggled with money, which you are going to learn about in this podcast. And through her experience, she was able to pay off just under $1 million in debt in about two and a half years. 
And now she helps people do the same thing. And so without further ado, let's go ahead and roll that interview. Hi, Naseema. I'm so excited that you're here today. Thank you so much for joining me. This is going to be a really good episode. I'm really excited. How are you? I'm great. Thank you for having me, Beverly. I'm super excited too. Yay, let's do it. <laughs> I've known Naseema for a long time now. This is really exciting. <laughs> yes, best buds. <laughs> So let's just dive right into it. Can you just share with us a little bit about who you are and who you help and serve now? Sure. So I am a labor and delivery nurse by trade, mommy of two pretty rambunctious girls and a personal finance coach. And the reason why I got into personal finance coaching as a nurse is because I feel like there's too many people out here that don't know what to do with their money at all and continue to make financial mistakes to the detriment of themselves and their family when it really doesn't take a lot to build wealth, but people just don't know what to do to get started or they think it's too hard or they have all these blocks about building wealth or what wealth really looks like. And I am literally changing the complexion of wealth. <laughs> And just people's understanding that wealth is possible for everyone. Oh, I love that. I mean, I just literally had a kajillion questions come up and I can't wait <laughs> to dive into these. But I primarily serve and a lot of people that are listening to this podcast are potential brand new personal trainers or they are physical therapists and they're building their business and they are starting to create businesses online. And what I have found basically in my own personal experience, but also as a fitness manager and training a lot of trainers is I really feel like people don't understand the difference between financial health and financial wealth. And I think which I'm hoping that we can talk about today. And I think it also ties into what you were starting to talk about, which is our personal stories around money that we have. But one of the things is that they come to this or they have this idea that I just need to make 10K a month or 20K a month. And then all of a sudden their money problems are solved. And that's just not what happened. So I'd love- Not at all. Yeah, so I'd love for you to just kind of talk about that a little bit. So I know it's always this overarching goal, like if I get there, then I'll be. But we know we operate from a be do have <laughs> mentality, right? And so if you really want to truly build wealth, it's not about reaching a certain dollar figure first. Or for me, you know, for people who have nine to fives, it's about like, oh, if I make $100,000 a year, then I'll be able to start building wealth. It really starts exactly where you are right here, right now. The first thing that needs to happen is you need to really shift how you're thinking about money and wealth. And in order to be a person who is financially healthy and wealthy, it starts with a strong foundation in how you treat and interact with money, like right where you are. And so this is something that I had to learn really early on because I had always been really, really good at making money. And so I thought that meant that I was good with money. And then it didn't 
really come to a head until my daughter was about to turn one. And then I realized, yeah, I make a lot of money, but I don't have anything. If something were to happen to my daughter, everything would fall apart. This house would be gone. My car would be gone. Like everything would fall apart. So I had to shift and say, okay, what can I do right now to make sure that we're set? And of course, everything didn't fall into place all at once, but it allowed me to start building habits to where I have a strong financial foundation right now. And that's what I teach people. So, oh, that's really good. That's really good. Um, (laughs) Can you share with a little, you started to talk about it a little bit, but tell us your story in terms of, Mm -hmm. you know, how you, like, where were you and how did you get here? Right. So, like I said, I was, had all the things, Mm -hmm. all the things to make it look like I was successful. And like I said, because I had always been good at making money, people thought that I was good at having money. And so that fed into me, even though I didn't feel like I was particularly wealthy, I thought I had it figured out because I made six figures. I had drove a luxury car. I had just built a brand new house, but honestly, I didn't even have $50 in savings. I was in the hole actually, because I had to borrow money from my sister to put up blinds because I had this big ass house with 36 windows and that's hell of expensive to put blinds on. So (laughs) 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 I just got to this breaking point where I was just like, you know what? Enough is enough. Like I need to get my stuff together. And, but honestly, there was a lot of fear in the background that had stopped me from really getting financially literate because when I was in my twenties, I thought building wealth was through real estate because that's the only wealth that I had seen in my family. My grandfather owned real estate in Oakland. My uncle owned real estate in Oakland. And so I thought that's how you do it. Unfortunately, I started investing in houses during the housing crisis, experienced some really bad subprime loans. And eventually I bought a lot of houses. So I bought five houses by the time I was 25 and lost two to short sales and two to foreclosures. And this was all before I turned 30. So I was pretty traumatized when it came to investing because that's what I thought investing was. And so I I got to a point where I was like, okay, in order for me to get better about money, I need to learn how to invest, like finally get over this hurdle and learn how to invest. But once I started going along the journey, I found out that it wasn't really about investing per se. It was more or less about making sure that you had a really good relationship with your money being in control of your money, telling your money where to go in advance and planning for every single one of your dollars when it came in and to have a plan to eliminate debt, save and build wealth. And then (laughs) I got into investing and learning how to invest along the way, but it became less intimidating once I had established that foundation of just shifting my mindset around money and shifting the control where I knew that I gave my money an assignment. I was a CEO of every single one of my dollars, but that came from just daily repetition of looking at my money, telling it where to go, making sure that every single dollar had a plan. Okay. So I love that you bring this up because this is something that I personally battle with. And so if one of our mentors says what's most personal is most general. So Mm -hmm. One of the things is you hear all the gurus, especially like all the people that are like talking about manifestation and you need to live from abundance and you need to come from this place of, you know, 
what would you do if you were already a millionaire? And so I think what happens to a lot of people is that they put their head in the sand and being like, okay, well, a millionaire doesn't budget and a millionaire doesn't, you know, they don't pay attention to their money, but that's actually one of the worst mistakes you can make. A millionaire knows exactly their money. So how do you navigate that? How do you determine what's coming from this place of lack versus making sure you're responsible? So we know that everything that we are and who we built ourselves, who we appear as today is based on the habits that we've formed through our lives. And so, yes, manifestation and all that stuff is great, but without that foundation of the habits that are going to keep you in that like vibration, it's, everything is going to fall apart. Like, yeah, you can manifest a million dollars right now. I mean, there's people that, plenty of people that win the lottery, right? But then what ends up happening is they lose it all because they're not that person. They haven't built themselves up to be that person. And so building those habits is creating who you are being, who you want to be, right? And so I'm going to just go ahead and say it. Budgeting is not a bad word. You know what I'm saying? Like budgeting is giving your money an assignment. Therefore, allowing those manifestations to come into place. It's like, if you don't know where your money is going, it's going to disappear. It's energy, right? Money is energy. It'll disappear. How many times have you gotten a windfall or an IRS refund or something and you put it in your bank and you turn around and it was gone? That's because you didn't have a plan for it, okay? So I think, I mean, I'm all about the woo, but... But without the basic foundational things that we need, that we have to do um, on a regular basis, we're not going to be where we want to be financially, period. You know, for me, so true. And for me, I compare it to, you know, the fitness and dieting is that what gets measured is what gets managed. And that doesn't counting every calorie or counting the macros or counting anything but you do need to be aware of what's happening because this isn't about, you know, how much junk food can we eat and still lose weight? You still need to know what's going into the body. You might not necessarily need to be counting every calorie, but you need to be aware in order to change it. So yeah. I, I feel like it's a metaphor here and the same is true like with money and with budgeting and with, you know, mm-hmm. what's happening with your money. Yeah. Where do you recommend someone start? Like how, how do you start getting financially present you have to be aware of what your situation is a lot of people like you said like put their head in the sand they don't know what's coming in they don't know what's going out they kind of just operate in the space like as long as like they're meeting their basic needs they're fine but you have to understand your numbers you have to know where your money is going so that you can then take control of that relationship And so the first thing that you need to do, pull all your statements, sit down and see where you're spending money. So there's a saying that you can tell a person's bank account will tell you more about them than they will, you know? So it's like wherever you're putting your attention, that's where your money is going to go. But, and most of the time people aren't putting their attention there. And so the money just disappears. So look at your statements, pull your statements, understand where you're spending your money, understand where money is coming in from and turn that relationship on its head 
before you get your next check, plan out how every single one of those dollars is going to be allocated. Instead of being reactive, you're being proactive when it comes to your money. And so a technique that I can use and that, that I use, and you can Google, <laughs> is called zero-based budgeting. It's where you plan every single one of your dollars out in advance, okay? Another thing is having a plan to save and invest and pay down debt. And those things can be done simultaneously. I made the mistake of not investing while paying down debt. And, and it cost me a whole lot of money, which, you know, we can or cannot get it, don't have to get into <laughs> this podcast. But that needs to be part of wealth building because it's not just about what you make, it's about what you keep and part of building wealth. And the really only true way to build wealth is to invest. And that doesn't mean that you have to invest in the stock market. You can inv be investing in your business, but you have to make sure that you have money set aside to do that. And so always creating a plan around that. That's good. I want to talk about that. So what I heard you say is that we, you need to come up with a plan, like get present to what's mm -hmm. in and then come up with a plan. And then what do you suggest someone do if they are paying down debt? Like maybe they're paying down personal debt. Maybe they're paying, and how do you define debt? Are you talking about credit card debt or what about debt that people call good debt, like school loans? And it's like, what are we, how are you defining debt? I mean, I don't necessarily believe there's good debt and bad debt. I believe, I look at interest rates <laughs> and credit card debt is like dangerous debt, right? because the interest rates are crazy. I don't even believe in carrying a credit card balance, but you have to get there if you're in credit card debt. So this is where personal finance being personal comes in. But the best way to look at debt is any debt above like a 3% interest rate should be eliminated immediately, but you should still be investing during that time, even if it's just a little bit. And a lot of people who are trainers are self-employed, right? And so they need to understand that, dang, self-employment, you have so many options in order to invest to minimize your taxable income that it's crazy. Like even so that you might just get a tax refund just on the strength, you know, because you're investing so much. So eliminate debt. It's really, really fast, aggressively, if it's over 3%. Invest, especially in tax advantage accounts early on. Then after that, you can start building investments to grow your business or in the stock market or brokerage accounts or real estate. But like I said, it's super personal. And so it's hard for me to say, okay, this is prescriptive X, Y, and Z, because I feel like that's dangerous. And I have follow plans that were just like, oh, general blanket, everybody can do this. And it cost me $30,000 in IRS debt. So I don't do that. <laughs> I just say you have to define a plan that's going to work for you. And that investing is sometimes you have to invest in somebody that's going to help you do that. <laughs> so whether it's a coach, a financial advisor, or whoever who can look at your overall, um, financial picture, do that as early as you can, because it's going to net you a lot more money in the long run. So, yeah. And one of the things too, is that if you hire that coach, right, it's the same thing with fitness, right? Is that <laughs> her clients are investing in you because you can look at something objectively and you don't yep. have the emotional attachment that your client does. 
the same thing is happening with you when you invest in with the financial advisor is that they're able to look at your stuff unemotionally, objectively. So it's important. I love that. Yeah. It's escaping me right now because one of the things you said, really, I wanted to go on, but I'm forgetting what it, what it was. It'll come to me. It'll come to me. Oh, how does one determine starting to look at investments? Like what, how mm-hmm. do you determine what's a good investment and what maybe something to do later or not a good investment? So, so there's two things, right? There's types of investments and then there's actually like investing. So where do you want to go? Do you want to go like retirement investing, real estate investing, brokerage accounts? Like, cause I can take it in so many different directions, but where do you want, or and just like investing in businesses? Like, what do you want to talk about? I think we talk investing. about, we talk about investing in retirement and also in business. Mm-hmm. I think they they go hand in hand in the sense that people think they have time and they no. don't, you know, time is, is one of those things that you only actually have now because anything can happen. You know, I think if COVID has taught us anything, if you're listening to this right now, everybody December 2019 had no idea what was coming, right? And so what happens, especially this happens to me personally, is that I have that mentality of, oh, I'll just make it. If I need it, I'll make it. But that's a terrible place to work from because so much stuff can happen that we're not in control of. So what do we do? Right. I think people need to get the like shift the mentality. I mean, we've all heard like pay yourself first, Mm -hmm. but like really like, how do you, how do you do that? Right. It's like reversing kind of the way that we actually do things. Like when we pay for stuff, we kind of pay our bills. We pay for miscellaneous target runs and, you know, we pay for our groceries and then we say whatever is left over at the end of the month, we're going to save it or invest it or have it for this program that we want to do. And usually there's nothing left over at the end of the month instead of saying, hey, upfront every month, I'm going to invest $100, $500 or put away or put towards debt, whatever you want to do, that amount of money. So then when you look at investing, the first thing that you want to do is, okay, if you're investing for your retirement account, I think that that's great, especially if you have your own business. Because like I said, you can deduct up to 20% of all of your um, revenue just straight off the top, just whack it off the top of what you owe the IRS in retirement accounts. And then anything that you invest in courses and anything that's going to help grow your business is also tax deductible. So look at that, but have a set amount that you are allocating out of everything that you earn every month, just like you save for taxes, like, you know, 25 to 30% of your income, you want to put that aside for taxes every month. If you have your own business, you want to do the same thing with investing. So as far as like what those investments are invested in, personally, I'm like a super easy set it and forget it investor. And I like to invest in low cost index funds, which are just like run of the mill kind of funds where it's like you own a share of Apple, Microsoft, all Berkshire Halfway, all, the, all these things that you kind of just know off the top of your head. It's an index fund. It's not actively managed. Therefore, the fees are really, really low. 
And it's always going to be the top companies because the companies self-select themselves out of the market, but you're getting like market rate. So historically, the market has returned 7% on average over the history of the market. And so you're not beating that rate or you're not going below that rate, but you're just cruising along that rate. And so it's all about time in the market. So you just continuously dollar cost average, put money into the market every time you get paid or on regular increments and that money will grow substantially. Actually, I just did an investment calculator because I am working on a book. And for example, if you say you're 20 years old and I just started at 20 because that's where I was at and you started at nothing and you decided that you were going to put aside $500 a year until you were 65, you would have contributed like $270,000 over those 45 years, but that would have grossed you on a 7% return, 1.7 million. (laughs) So it's just about continuously putting money in the market. The sooner, the later, don't wait. No, we don't have time because these years right now that we have is a time that our money is going to work harder for us than if we waited till later to put our money away. So what would you say to someone who came to you and said, but Nasima, I can't afford it. I don't have the money to invest because I need it for my bills. What would you say? Right. I would say that that's probably part of the problem. Because, I mean, there is, there, is a, there is something to say about people that, you know, are just getting by, okay? But there's also something to say about people who are just getting by. Like, there's an infinite amount of ways to bring money into your life, to make money, period, okay? I can tell you to stop spending money on Target or to stop going to Starbucks or, you know, whatever, But the most powerful thing that you can do is try to make more money. And there's so many different ways. I mean, even without like having to drive for Uber and Lyft, I mean, it's just so many ways to make money, so many ways. And the biggest things that you can do and and look at if you want to cut costs is look at your housing and look at your transportation. Things that I do to cut costs, even though, I mean, just because I like to keep my costs low is... I rent out a room in my house, which pays for a third of my rent. And I also rent out my car on Turo, which more than covers my car note. So like my expenses for those major categories are super duper low. But what I also do is, like I said, I also know ways to make extra money. And those and the extra money that I make goes directly into a savings account that's either going towards investing, long-term savings, or I don't have any debt, but it would have been like debt in other people's case. So yeah. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Now, if anyone is listening to this and is like legitimately at the beginning, like let's say they're like, (laughs) I have no idea. (laughs) Aside from also calling you, in addition, (laughs) what is the first step? Like where would they, like, where would you point them? To like learn, start learning the language of wealth. Like one of the things I'm noticing about you is that you are speaking, A, you speak about money with ease. Like there's just no shame in how you talk about money. And two, like it almost sounds like another language. Yeah, but it's because it's the people that I surround myself with, right? 
And these aren't like super finance nerds. I don't watch like CNBC, like money shows. I don't do that kind of stuff. What I do is I have like curated my social media to be a community of money nerds, basically. And I just continuously learn, like, believe me, like in 2015, when I started on this journey, I knew nothing, but I changed my circle of influence and it normalized wealth for me. It made it, it made me see how easy it was to be a millionaire. Most of my friends are self-made millionaires and most of them have never made over $100,000 a year just because they increase their savings rate, meaning that they increase the amount of their take-home pay that they put towards paying down debt, saving, or investing. And they just did it continuously. So like if somebody was just starting, the first thing I would say is once you're, you don't have hella bills, like you don't have all this stuff, like life isn't super complicated. The first thing that you need to do is create a plan where the majority of your money is going towards a wealth building activity, going towards increasing your net worth. So whether that's paying down whatever debt you have, whether that's saving or whether that's investing, that's where the majority of your money is going. For example, if any of us, any of us had a savings rate, now this is going to sound crazy to you because this is not the world that you live in, but this is the world that I live in. But if any of us were able to save at least, at least 50, 50% of what we take home after taxes, we would have enough to never have to work again in 10 years or less, depending on what we have invested right now. This is the world I live in, right? This is the world I live in. Most people I know have enough accumulated in savings and investments or in passive income that pays them enough to cover their expenses. And they did it in less than 10 years, most people eight years. And I've seen people do it and had to start over. I have a really good friend that had a brain tumor in her 20s, lost all her savings and started from zero and still was able to retire from nursing in 10 years. So it's possible. But the thing is, is that that has to be in your realm of reality. And that's what I surround myself with. And that's why I started my community. And that's why I have my podcast, because I want to continuously share those stories over and over and over. So you know, it's possible for you. So if you know, it's possible for you, then it's more likely you're going to achieve it. Yeah. That's so good. I think you started this podcast off saying it is that you're changing the complexity of wealth. And, and I think that that ties into a whole lot of things, but mm-hmm. one of the main things is that people are indoctrinated from a young age based on the color of their skin, based on their economic status, based on a whole slew of things. Like how did you break through all of those stories and able to empower other people to do it. You know, what's crazy is that I didn't do it for me initially. I did it for my baby because I was just like, if I don't get this together, I'm going to be jacking her up. And she became my why. And that why was so powerful. I can no longer like, live with the excuse that, oh, I was never taught about money. My dad didn't teach me anything. Oh, I came out of school with all this debt. Oh, woe is me. 
I had to do better and I had to do better fast because I had a responsibility and I wanted to be the last person in my family ever to have to depend on debt, to ever have to depend on financing from discriminatory lenders, like a whole lot of stuff that I've had to deal with just because a Black woman growing up (laughs) in America and knowing how much freedom and control over my life I have because I have control over my money. I've been able to leave a toxic relationship, abusive marriage, a super crazy work environment where the lives of Black women in labor was constantly being jeopardized. And when I spoke up about it, nobody did anything. And being able to speak up, to leave that environment, and also to take action against those people takes money, (laughs) you know, and that's what wealth does. Wealth isn't about greed. Wealth is about what can you do to really give back and serve and give people the power to do the things like I was able to do. Yeah. I think it's just, oops, you can see she's laughing because she's like, oh, Beverly's crying and here we go. But (laughs) (laughs) that's okay. People listen to this podcast and know me. I swear I'm always crying on every podcast. But like, I, um, it's just, I'm a mom, right? And as a mom, it changes you. And I know what it's like to just have that feeling of, responsibility. It's, it's important. And it's something I'm so grateful for because now I know that I have that responsibility and now I can give that gift to other people. Like this is important. This is the stuff that you need to be doing and how you can really just change your life. Really, truly. Yeah. And for me too, it came from becoming a mom. Yeah. Yeah. So I get that on like a really, really deep level too. So yeah, that's, it's really amazing. So I'm curious, I don't think I've ever asked this. Mm -hmm. I'm going to ask you now, but you are so financially, you know, she has her own business and she is just so financially wealthy. Why do you still continue to have your nine to five job? Actually, (laughs) you know what? Two things, okay? First of all, my business still has a lot of room to grow. And my nine to five job is, first of all, I'm a labor and delivery nurse. I get to bring life in the world, mostly every day (laughs) that I work. And so it's an amazing experience. I actually love what I do. And it's super easy versus being an entrepreneur. But there's some also some really cool tax savings that I get just from working. Like I max out my 401k and I max out 457, which is $30,000 off the top that goes into my retirement account every year. It provides healthcare for my family, which I don't take lightly. Like those things are super important. So I'm not one of those kind of people that are like, hey, do the X, Y, and Z to ditch your nine to five. This has been more of a passion project that turned into a business that needs to turn into a more lucrative business, but it's still, you know, a great business. But I don't see myself giving up my nursing job. But what I have the ability to do is walk away when it doesn't serve me. And that's what matters. It's, it's, the work optional feature of this. Yeah. 
I love that. And I'm so glad you said that because I <laughs> asked that question. By the way, we're just, this is like a conversation I didn't prep her. And I was like, oh, <laughs> the reason why I asked that. And the reason why is I feel like a lot of entrepreneurs have this belief. They get into this either or thinking that it's like, oh, I hate my nine to five. And the only way to make money is if I quit this job and start my own business. And that's actually just not true. It's, it always all goes back to when I was becoming an actor. And one of the things that has been the most profound and had the most profound effect on me was someone said, if you don't love the process of what you're doing, you need to do something else. And it mm -hmm. is transcend on every part of my life. And I think that people forget that you can love your nine to five and you can still make a lot of money in that nine to five if you love it. So it doesn't have to be an either or that if you want to make a lot of money, that means that you have to own your own business. It's just not true. It's more important to just do what you're, what you love though. Yep. So that was what yeah. I was hoping you were going to say. Was like, <laughs> oh. So that was exactly right. <laughs> But also like, I mean, my job is so like, I'm a nurse and I work in the San Francisco Bay Area, so I make a pretty good salary, but I'm also able to scale back when I need to. Last year, I had to scale back because I wanted to be home with my family more. And so I shifted to six days a month, you know, like, so it's totally flexible. But yeah, I think the whole lore of being an entrepreneur, the way people rope you into thinking that it's the best thing possible is that they have to demonize just nine to five employment and it's not that bad. And a lot of people, when it just comes to being like wealthy, a lot of people don't have to make a lot of money. They can be in their nine to fives, like I said, making pretty modest incomes and build substantial wealth. Because if that's what your goal is, if that's what you want to start this business for, if it's just about financial security, then you can do that wherever you're at. You don't have to create the best funnels or sell a million dollar course. You just have to have a plan and stick to it. And know where you, and know what wealth means to you. Yeah. Like yeah, exactly. Dollars. Yeah. Right. And I think too, one of the biggest lessons that I've learned as an entrepreneur and as I'm starting to focus on building wealth is that I, and I did say it earlier, but I'll reiterate it, which is that you can start generating wealth if you're making 50,000 a year, if you're making hundred thousand a year, it's not about how much it's just about knowing where you're at and creating the plan around it to grow. Mm-hmm. And you also said this too, which is that people are self-made millionaires, but that's just marketing and smoke and mirrors. We don't know what their bills are. We don't know what, you know, how much they're spending in ads. And we don't know any of like, they could have made a million dollars, but then had a $2 million overhead mm -hmm. and then yep. nothing. So exactly. It's smoke and mirrors. Yep. Yep. The people like hardly ever show you the back end, especially, you know, people who are doing these huge, huge, huge sales, these huge launches and, you know, these, you know, where they share their revenue, they're not showing like really like what they made in the back end. Yeah. That's so good. Well, I definitely want to be mindful of your time. This has been like really amazing and so helpful. I mean, I learned a ton of stuff too. So for my friends who want to come hang out with you, where's, where's the best place? Like, where should I send them? 
So I like to hang out in my Facebook group. So I have a pretty lively Facebook group, um, just search group for financially intentional. Probably my most active social media account is my Instagram, my financially intentional Instagram page. But if you really want to hear like stories of people who are doing big things with money, even if you aren't a nurse, <laughs> my Nurses on Fire podcast is where I'm at. And I released uh, two episodes a week, one with a certified financial planner. And you think it was drawing. We just talk about numbers. We actually talk, do deep dives into important financial issues, usually money mindset things that are holding people back. And then um, in my regular episodes, I usually share success stories of people who have done some incredible things with money so that you know what's possible for you. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. And it's not going to be dry. Nothing with you is ever. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so to Stephen, thank you so much for hanging out. I really appreciate your time. This has been really fun. And of course, all of those awesome links, we will link up in the show notes so that we can send people directly to you. Oh, thanks, Ben. Thank you. Thanks so much for hanging out with me today. If you like this episode, chances are your friends will too. So be sure to share this episode with your friends on your social media networks. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to the podcast. And if you would, please leave us a review. But before you send it, send a screenshot and send it to support at thesimpsonfitness.com and we'll send you a bonus podcast recording on how to optimize your Instagram account to start attracting high-paying clients. And if you need help with content, be sure to download the seven-day content calendar, which will help you create your posts for the next seven days so you know exactly what to post to attract high-paying, ideal clients. Thanks again for hanging out, and we'll catch you on the next episode.